On this episode of Infinity Sports, we're actually going to be talking some soccer. We're going to be talking baseball again. That's three shows in a row. Uh, and we're going to be talking some basketball and football coming right up after the intro, which I don't have prepared after the intro. Oh, technical. <laughs> going on everybody i'm wayne joined as always by sully yo what's poppin and the return of nick p what's going on what's up everybody all my haters john morant went off last night oh my god God. first time john waves has been going off every game since you've been gone (laughs) yeah but but it's all right because john's been in the playoff i mean (laughs) john's is is it wild that john morant's team has a better record when he scores less than 14 points yeah, I mean, it, I I don't. It, it is weird. I mean, they play. There's tough defensive side, honestly. Like they play good defensive basketball. I did see in one of our YouTube videos the one where uh, you were crapping all over Zion, which I don't know, you probably think which one, but uh, somebody <laughs> did say uh, this aged well. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I, I yeah, I, I I didn't check in on it. I I mean, it definitely aged well because Jaws in the postseason. Jaws in the postseason, baby. Okay, postseason Jaw. <laughs> uh, as long as he scores <laughs> under 14 points, they should be good. <laughs> Uh, we are kicking things off with some soccer because the big news in sports, I think, for the past week has been this European Super League because they announced, they came out and said, all right, 2023-24, we're coming out with it. We've got the British Premier League. We've got the Bundesliga. We've got La Liga. We've got uh, League One. And everybody was in it. Serie A was all in on it. And um, now we've had all six of the English teams bow out. I didn't understand what this was. You guys can probably explain it to me more. Like I thought it was like what I do when I play FIFA in my video game, which is where I take one league and I put all the best teams in one league and we play like a season, but it's not. It's like a tournament, right? Uh, Yeah. I mean, essentially when it bears down to it, like we were speaking beforehand, it's just a money grab from these owners. Um, So it's, it's essentially the champions league in a league where it's, where it's closed out. But the issue is, is, is that's not what European sports is about. That's not what it was founded on. You know what I mean? And, and honestly, what makes the Champions League great is, you know, the ability for teams to make it that usually don't. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, like Nick will say, this, this was driven by American owners um, and, and the ownership stakes in, in European football. And, you know, the, the European heads kind of have come out and said, hey, look, you do this, you're, you're not going to be able to play in the World Cup. You know, you're not going to be able to play in, you know, Champions League and obviously, you know, and things like that. So uh, that kind of, I think, scared some players. And, and since then, teams have backed out. Yeah, to your point, um, I mean, that kind of plays into, Wayne, your, what you're taking. I don't think it, it, it initially ended. I think the intent was to have it be like this, like, midweek tournament amongst, like, the upper echelon of, of, of football clubs across Europe. But when FIFA and UEFA stepped in, the governing bodies and said, "Ah, ah, ah! If you guys go through with this, you're out of the Champions League, you're out of your domestic competitions, you're out of the World Cup, like all this sort of stuff." Once they once they put that line in the sand, it became, 
you saw some of the stubbornness for some of the ownership groups. Unfortunately, Liverpool was, was a spearheading part of the spearheading for this whole thing. Um, you know, you saw the stubbornness turn into, well, we're just going to go through with it anyway, and we'll just do the Super League and get all the marketing revenue and everything like that. Because to Sully's point, at the end of the day, the American ownership groups are not used to having a governing body take the bulk of the revenue on anything. And that's exactly what you have in world football, and they don't like it. So they tried to do something about it. It was a money grab. Well, that's what I was thinking is that kind of like the Olympics is as crooked a sport as there is, all the glad handing that goes on behind the scenes. The NCAA is as crooked as they come. I feel like FIFA and UEFA, they're just as crooked as these things. So I wasn't sure if it was a good thing that these clubs were like, hey, F you, kind of like if for whatever reason Duke was like, F you, NCAA, we're going to do our own thing. Or if it was a bad thing for soccer. I don't, I don't know. I mean, well, it depends on, I think for the, for the sport, for, it's tough because I think it was good for in some circles, right? Like the TV watchability factor, like the marketability of it made sense, right? But it was completely, I mean, you're talking about like over, over a century or centuries of history in a club like Liverpool's case, Manchester United, like those clubs have been around for centuries, playing in those domestic leagues for centuries. It's like, you know, you're denigrating all of that history by doing something like this, by isolating those clubs from really what their history is built on. Yeah, I think that the difference, too, with, with like Duke stepping away and saying, well, we'll do our own thing is like, let's say then they said, well, if you do that, you can never go play in the NBA. Right. You, you know, and that's essentially what they're saying to these soccer players. It's like, OK, go ahead, step away, start your own thing. You can never play in the biggest biggest leagues again you can never play for for the most prestigious titles again you can never do these things again you can win the super league title go ahead but you're never going to win a world cup you're never going to win a champions league you're never going to win a domestic title again because we won't allow you to play and so that's where i think it differs from like the american side of it where you say duke steps away well then they just step away so forth and then they go to the nba well in this case they wouldn't allow them to the nba they would have to stay and play their own league or something like that it, it was interesting. It was interesting too to me. Sorry, Wayne. It was interesting too because um, Paris Saint Germain, which is, his, I mean, right now like one of the wealthiest clubs in the world, they were not a participant, and that was surprising to me. But when I read as to why they weren't a participant, it wasn't surprising any longer, and that's because they're owned by Saudi Arab oil money. I mean, PSG is that club's entirely run by the Saudi royal family. It's why they can buy the best players in the world: Neymar, Mbappe, all those guys. Um, and they have direct revenues tied to sponsorship deals with UEFA and FIFA. Oh, so they were, so, so they weren't <laughs> going to tread on that knowing that FIFA and UEFA, especially the champions league is a cash cow marketing wise for them. I mean, their businesses. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I mean, it was just fascinating to see the posturing by different clubs and the, in sort of like the circumstances because they weren't all the same. Like I, I laughed with a friend. I was like, why is Tottenham, a part of the super league. Yeah, what, exactly. what the hell what the hell have they ever accomplished yeah. like, why would they be in the super league but that's another topic it's just it was just interesting that was an interesting thing for me so if i understand correctly what it was is i know like the uefa champions league is basically like all right i play for manchester united i play in my premier league season and then like during the season i might take a week where we go play in a uefa qualifier or a uefa playoff game and then we're back to our regular premier league season it's kind of like that yeah is this so that's what this was this was like competing with uefa as another tournament right yeah that's yeah it would have pretty, essentially pretty canceled out the champions league which is what i think the big issue is yeah. it's like so these teams would would 
theoretically all be getting together anyway, you know, because the top, you know, four, depending on the size of your league and things like that, the top teams in your league go on to the Champions League. Now, most of the time, it's, you know, United, it's, you know, Liverpool, it's Man City, it's Chelsea, it's all these teams, you know, Borussia Dortmund and, and Bayern and, and whatever it may be. But in some cases, you get teams that surprise and finish in the top of Leicester City, you know, years ago. And, and you know, that's, you know, kind of what UEFA thrives on and loves about it. And this effectively canceled that out. So I think, you know, that kind of was another reason that they were so forceful against this was you're not taking away our tournament. You're not taking away, like Nick said, such our massive cash cow that Champions League is. So we'll just kind of effectively dead that. And Wayne, you know what's funny too is a part of Liverpool's ownership group, I don't know if you were aware of this, is LeBron James. He LeBron just bought James. an even greater stake um, in, into Liverpool recently. And I just thought that that was so funny because doesn't a Super League sound like such a thing that LeBron, LeBron did? Yeah, no, you know what I mean? Like, doesn't that sound like something that's right up his alley? And I was saying to a buddy when I was like, look, like, UEFA or uh, these owners got it all wrong. You need a Super League in the NBA. Take like the top six markets where all these guys are just bandwagoning off each other and they're all just being best friends and playing against each other and disarming and giving dabs before games. Let that go be a super league in the NBA. And then we'll have like the Milwaukee Bucks against the Portland Trailblazers in the finals. Something everybody wants to watch, you know, instead of these like all-star teams battling out in the biggest markets like the NBA has become. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd rather game. watch the Lakers Nets, truthfully. Not um, me. But <laughs> I'll watch I'll watch Dame go against Giannis. That's real basketball. Well, so I guess my last question about it was then, you know, we've got the UEFA Champions League. We've got the Carabao Cup. Right. We've got the uh, Emirates Cup. Right. So the FA Cup. Those, the FA Cup. Those are all like domestically. Yeah. yeah. So I was saying, yeah. Like, why not just have an extra tournament? I mean, it's a hit us, we can still have the UEFA League, but we will also have this. Well, because you wouldn't, because it wasn't involved in UEFA and FIFA. They weren't a part of right. it. They weren't so, a part of it. it. It was to grab the money. It was it to was, grab, it, it grab it total revenue. The All the leagues yeah. came together and said, we're doing this without UEFA, without FIFA, and we're doing it on our own. And FIFA said, no, you're not. Right. Or you can if you want to, but you're not playing then in the Champions League. You're not playing in the World Cup, and you're not even playing in your own domestic league at that. So, you know, have fun. You know, there were a lot of fun memes where, uh, who was it, you know, posted that they were Champions League winners now because, you know, the rest of the teams that were in effectively joined the Super League. And, uh, you know, teams are posting, yeah, we won the domestic league. You know, like I think it was Everton or something because, you know, they'd now be vaulted to first or something like that. Um, You know, and and these these teams and clubs realize, well, damn, I don't know if the revenue offset is, is actually worth it once we lose all these other teams or all these other games. Yeah, so I think the fan of- backlash, the fan backlash pushed Dude, a lot of these English clubs yeah. away. I mean, I mean, even Liverpool supporters. I mean, I saw. I mean, it's disgraceful in my opinion, both both sides, because it was disgraceful to see Liverpool's ownership group FSG perpetuate this whole thing just for a money grab. Because, quite frankly, in my opinion, they're cheap billionaires. If you could ever be such a thing. But then you also, (laughs) but then you have like, but you have like the supporters groups as well who are like, oh, well, if this happens, I'm not going to support the club. It's like, listen, I don't give a shit if they're playing Sunday co-ed league. I'm always going to (laughs) support, you know what I mean? I'm always going to support Liverpool. I don't care where they're at. So if that's your narrative, sayonara, you know, go support another club. Like you're just showing your true colors. So it was interesting like to see the, the amount of uproar by the fans and the supporters and just how influential that is in this whole process was actually kind of empowering, I think. 
I mean, I, th- I agree with you because I think if the New England Patriots joined the XFL, I'd be watching right. a lot of XFL games where the Patriots are playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. as you should. Right. <laughs> um, okay, so th- that leads us into basketball. And the first basketball topic I really wanted to get into was Steph Curry has been on fire. Over the last two weeks, he's averaging 42 points per game or something like that. Uh, he had 50 in that run. Uh, he had 49, I think, last night. Uh, he did surpass Wilt Chamberlain Stop. as the uh, all-time leading scorer in Golden State history. Not Golden State, but Warriors history. And Twice ran- as many games. Yeah, yeah, twice as many games. Now, that's, that's the point I wanted to get into because I did see all over social media these debates like, hey, look here, Steph Curry is now the all-time leading scorer for the Warriors. He's better than Wilt Chamberlain. And I'm like, well, it took him, like I said, 750 games as opposed to Wilt's 429. And over that span, Wilt averaged 42 points per game for like five years, whereas Curry's been averaging 23 points per game. So I was like, let's not rush to call Steph better than Wilt. I mean, you know, most people that are going to say they're Steph better than Wilt are, I'm assuming, going to be under the age of 30 um, or most most likely even younger than that. Um, I don't think, for one, it's really tough to compare those two players because obviously they do two completely different things. Um, I do not think Steph Curry is a top, you know, five player, top three player, and I do think Wilt is, but I do think Steph Curry is the best point guard of all time. Um, So, you know, I'll give him that. Um, And truthfully, I mean, if he continues kind of this run, I think it's going to be hard for voters not to vote him as the MVP. Um, I, I know, like, that his team's kind of terrible, not kind of terrible. They're pretty terrible. Um, and they're, you know, not likely going to make the playoffs. And, you know, truthfully up until, you know, these last run, he wasn't really doing anything special, but I mean, the hype he has and the love he has around the league and with no other real, like likable star, like running away with it right now, I think the league would love to see Steph Curry win the MVP. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I like Seth Curry. I've always liked him. I think uh, his shooting ability is probably unmatched in history. I don't know that I'd go as far as – it's funny you said best point guard, and I thought immediately, well, I, I mean, I'd take Magic Johnson over yeah. Seth Curry still to this day. I mean, I realize, like, he's kind of a point forward, right? But he was still a point guard. No, and it's uh, two completely different games, but I agree. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. the other one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even for me, it's like I, I take a guy like – I mean, I – I mentioned this to Wayne, I think, earlier this week, but I, I love Allen Iverson. I'd still take a guy like Allen Iverson. I know he didn't win a ring, but I'd still take AI over um, over over Steph Curry. Uh, it's just – my thing with, with Curry is he's the personification of what this era of basketball is, and it's really like jacking up shots as quickly as you possibly can, um, no perimeter defending or limited perimeter defending, contact behind the perimeter, that kind of thing. I mean, he's excelled in it. I can't begrudge him for it. Um, and I like Steph Curry. I just feel like, I don't know. Um, it's impressive, but it's it's not when you have, when you compare it to like, you know, Russell Westbrook about the average is fourth triple double, you know what I mean? For like things like that. I mean, you, we're just going to see crazier and crazier things like that happen. I mean, you got like Zion shooting 60% from the floor. It's just, I mean, that's just what the league has become. There's It's, it's the no defense league, you know? The only issue I have with, with the Russell Westbrook, because I think Russell Westbrook, if, if if his name wasn't Russell Westbrook, I think he'd be the MVP. But I just don't think he's like likable enough. I don't think he's able to win another one. Um, I don't know. I think they hated giving him the one they did. Exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. I think they hated doing that, and I, I don't think they'll like let it happen again. Uh, because I don't know why. Like, why do people he, not like it? I don't know. Because he, he competes. I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't get it. 
I'm not really sure either, but I mean, he's just never been like a face or a star, really. And I think the league wants, you know, their stars to win these kind of awards. So, well, and it's a perfect segue. And I'll have Nick go first on this one because he did mention it to me that he's a big Russell Westbrook fan. Russell Westbrook uh, gets 15, 14, and 11 on the 17th against Detroit, gives him 171 career triple doubles. Uh, he's 10 shy of Oscar Robertson, which obviously he's going to break as the all time leader in triple doubles. Break he's going to average, yeah, yeah, he's going to average a triple double. Yeah. For the fourth season and second place is one which is oscar robertson <laughs> you know yeah. so um i guess i don't know like you said nick you said that he is completely and, and sally mentioned it too but i wanted to get your take just because of where he's at like, like you said if you had to speculate why don't people like russell westbrook i mean i think it's because of the the, the level of talent he's played with too and the hype around that level of talent i think that that probably goes into it because you have like a guy like you know, he was tied to Kevin Durant for a period of time, and Durant came in with a lot of hype. And then he was tied to Harden when he went to Houston, and Harden was already like an MVP candidate all the time. And and Westbrook is just still kind of sitting there averaging his triple-doubles and putting up crazy stats. I think his playoff performances in the past have also kind of hurt him. Like, he's not that great of a shooter um, given how he plays, but I think that that's okay. Like, I, I, think, I think it doesn't – limit his game really whatsoever because he can hit a shot he will take a shot um when he needs to i i, I don't know i mean to me i'm when i said this to you and i i it, it it pains me to say it because i always felt for my entire life that it was going to be alan iverson for me is like the best player to never win a ring and i think it's i mean i think in my feeling now is it's it's got to be russell westbrook and i love ai kobe loved ai i love ai no disrespect to ai whatsoever but that's just how good i think russell westbrook is I mean, it's hard to argue. I mean, you look at his raw numbers, and I mean, like, he's led the league in scoring twice. He's leading the league in assists this year, and he's led it twice before. I think his main issue is, you know, in like, like, uh, you know, Nick mentioned, you know, this is a shooter's league, and he shoots, you know, barely 30%, you know, from three, you know, for the career. So I think that's an issue, you know, is, is I know his efficiency you know, is, is a, is a thing that people don't really love. You know, when you play that hard and play that fast, you're going to have turnovers, um, and things like that. Um, but truthfully, I, I mean, I, I'm not really sure. I, I'm, that's my guess is the shooting. Cause he's, he shoots, you know, like I said, 30% from three, and that's really just not good, you know, and then just the overall efficiency of his even like two point shooting and, and then turnovers as well. I think is probably what, what gets him the most hate because other than that, I mean, it's really tough to argue with this game. He plays hard. He plays defense. He rebounds. He passes. He scores. I mean, it's really tough to hate on his game. Well, and what I think it is, and you guys touched on it a little bit. I'm going to go a little bit deeper into it, is that we grew up in a different era. We watched a different era. Kobe Bryant was a guy who was going to leave his soul on the floor, and if you weren't leaving your soul on the floor, he was going to choke you in the locker room. You know, right. and Allen Iverson was that same person. Kevin Garnett was that same person. Russell Westbrook is that. He's a 95, 96 you know, year player. And I think in a league where everyone's like, hey, let's clown around. Let's joke. Let's make faces at the camera. Let's flex after we get a layup. And he's all business. And he yeah. goes 100 miles per hour. And he wants yep. to win. And he doesn't want to clown around. And if you're not going to clown around, you're not going to tap dance for the press. Then nobody's going to like you. I think that's a great point. I think it's I think it's one of the reasons why Josh still doesn't get that that love, that same level of hype is because he plays that exact same way. I mean, that was like who he idolized. I, it's it's it was Russell Westbrook. I mean, Jaw always talks about that. 
But I just think that that's interesting that those players are frowned upon now. Whereas to your point, Wayne, you know, in, in like, you know, the last few decades, those guys were like the rare breeds. They were the guys who the league was kind of built around the AIs, the Colby's. I mean, Jordan started that whole thing, right. You could say, but it, it's, it is fascinating to me, even Reggie Miller to an extent, but it's like a guy like Reggie Miller would be hated in this NBA. I mean, they, he'd be hate, uh, Reggie would be hated. I mean, I think a guy like Ray Allen nowadays in his prime would be hated in the NBA. It's just, it's so weird that the, the shift. And I talked about like disarming. I know I give LeBron crap about it all the time, but that is like a thing, like going up before tip off, dabbing everybody up on the other time, dabbing up other superstars. It's a, it's, it's a way to disarm them. Like, yeah, we're about to compete. We're about to go to war, but we're also friends. So like, don't forget that, you know, like save that shit for after the game. That's my opinion. Well, that leads us into the MVP talk. We talked about it like he's not going to be an MVP candidate. People just don't like him. We said Curry is not going to be an MVP candidate because his team's so bad. I mean, you just can't. We look at you know Wilt Chamberlain averaging fifty and twenty seven and finishing second in the MVP. You know, because uh, it's just like your team's not great. You're not going to get there. So I was looking at who my top five. I think Joel Embiid's got to be the favorite. I mean, he's averaging thirty points per game, eleven rebounds per game. Only three assists. I think that's the only knock. So, like, my number two guys, I have Jokic. Uh, but I, I think Embiid, especially with the Sixers being in first place, I think that's I think he's the front runner. See, I think it's weird, too. The NBA MVP is so weird now because I think – I can't just say now, but it's just weird because, like, why are we talking about a guy like Embiid where it's like the Sixers are a good team, right? Like, I mean, Joel Embiid obviously is, is a huge component of that. I'm not going to take that away from him. He's been exceptional. I mean, he's – easily the best center in the league right now. And that's saying a lot considering Jokic is also like one of the best, maybe all time as far as passing big men. Right. Um, But my whole thing is like, why don't we talk about a guy like Luca who no one could name Dallas as starting five, you know, like why don't we talk about a guy like Steph Curry because he's got golden state in the playoff hunt or Damian Lillard who literally does not play with another all-star it's like, why are those guys not prioritized over guys, you know, like Embiid's playing with Ben Simmons, like Embiid has other talent on the team, whereas it's like, who are some of these other guys playing with? Why are they not prioritized more? That's my question on the NBA. I mean, I've always kind of like kind of felt that way. I don't think wins and losses should kind of be like measured as part of MVP. Um, right. Because, you know, it's not the best player on the best team. That's not the award. The award is the right. most valuable player, um, like who who matters the most to their team and things like that. Um, so so I agree with you. You know, I mean, shoot, I'm always going to toot Lucas Horn. I love the kid. So, right. you know, I, I'll always go for him. I truly think, again, if Curry continues this run, you know, I, I don't see how he doesn't at least get into contention. Um, but, yeah, it looks kind of to be Joel Embiid's award to lose at this moment. I mean, I think Giannis has the ability to to get in there if he goes on a sick run um, because, you know, he already had a, had a really good run earlier in the season. So, and, you know, I think people would love to see him win more than they would a center. Um, but, again, it, it's just a tough year because, you know, LeBron's out, AD's out, you know, Kawhi's not really playing, you know, you know, Steph started off pretty slow and his team's bad. You know, all the biggest stars aren't really doing like that much. So, yeah, I think it's it, it's a good point. Um, I've watched a lot of basketball the last two years in particular, like really made an effort to try to get back into the NBA. And um, I will say this. I have not come across a single player who I would say, yeah, that person is definitively better than Luka Doncic. To me, every time Luka's on the basketball court, he's the best player on the court. I don't care who he's playing against or who he's up against. That's, 
I mean, well, and I think that's the argument for MVP in any league, right? Has always been, do we give it to the best player or do we give it to the guy who had the best season or do we give it to the guy who's most valuable to his team? Like if you took him off that team and so, and each one's going to give you a different answer, right? So like if it's the most valuable to your team, it's Luca, right? Uh, because you could take Embiid off of, you know, the Sixers and they'd still be a playoff team, right? You know, but if you're doing the best player in the league, well, then I think it's Giannis. I mean, again, what's he doing this year that he didn't do last year? He's averaging 28, 11, and six, you know, I mean, and he's yeah. a defensive first team, you know, all NBA first yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then, but if you're looking at, you know, who's having the best season, I think it's Joel Embiid at the 30 points per game. Um, and he's on the first place team. So it's kind of like, yeah. what is you're going to, how are you going to weigh it? You know, I agree. Yeah. And that's why truthfully, I mean, it needs to be a combination of all things and, and, you know, but, Again, it's really just going to come down to a lot of the late season specialness, I think, is what it's going to come down to because nobody has kind of separated themselves. So if somebody goes on like, you know, if, if Curry does this same or if Giannis goes like a run like this in the last three weeks, four weeks of the season, I think he'll end up being it or something like that. Um, and I'm a huge Embiid fan. I'm glad to see him healthy and I'm glad to see him scoring 30 points per game. Um, right. I think I've said before that I think he is the most talented big man I've ever seen. And that includes Shaq and Hakeem and Ewing. I think Embiid's more talented than all of them. Um, my whole thing with him is he's, you know, needed a kick in the ass. And it seems like somebody's given him that this year. So. Yeah. His health, too. I mean, yeah, it's exactly. Not being hurt with a, like yeah. a bad injury all year has, has really helped him. The best ability is availability. Hey, that's my favorite quote of all time. <laughs> it's it? it not a finger. Mine's the best available. The best ability is availability. I say that far too often when I'm scouting prospects. See, uh, speaking of scouting, the Major League Baseball draft is going to be coming up this summer, and I was actually you guys again. I'm gonna lead on you a little bit more because uh, it's a baseball thing. I don't know. We're talking about, about amateur draft. Well, so going into the season, everyone was like the two couldn't pitchers from Vanderbilt. Yeah, the two pitchers from Vanderbilt. One guy who's about to get drafted in the baseball draft. So the two pitchers from Vanderbilt were like the front runners to be like two of the top five picks, you know, and you got Jack Leiter who was on fire. He's seven and zero with a zero five, five ERA, a five to one strikeout to walk ratio. But they're saying that he's the second best prospect behind this kid, uh, Jack Lawler. He's a shortstop from Texas. And I don't Jordan, know. Jordan, Jordan Lawler. Thought, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so Jordan, but I'm like, why wouldn't you take a college guy who's ready to, st- I mean, he's going to do the straws. Right? He'll, he'll pitch two minor league games and he's a starter in your rotation. Shortstop. Maybe. Uh, it depends on the team, right? Like if he goes to Pittsburgh, I, I mean, maybe, maybe baseball's weird because it also comes down to who is the um, agent for that, for that player. Right. Because I saw, I remember a few years ago, like Luke, Luke Hochever was like the consensus number one pick and he dropped to like in the teens because Boris was his agent and demanding a huge signing bonus for him. And people were like, whoa, whoa, pump the brakes. And no, now nobody even knows Luke Ochoa. So it's like, um, I mean, stuff like that happens with baseball all the time. I'm also not convinced that Lighter, I think Lighter gets a lot of credit too, because obviously his numbers are phenomenal, but his lineage, like I think Kamar Rocker is probably a better pitching prospect in my opinion. He's 6'5", 250, throws upper uh, like upper nineties consistently has, has a strikeout slider. I mean, those are all things that scouts look for in this major league baseball. Also, I think most of the time you're going to rate a, a, a position prospect higher than a, a pitching prospect. Um, also this, this Jordan Palmer kid, um, I, I actually 
I say I don't know anybody. I actually do know him. He, uh, I mean, the, the ceiling on him is, is I think, much, much higher. And that's the beauty of, of getting a high school kid is, is like projection. You know, you don't necessarily need to wait to see a college prospect. In baseball, you can kind of see a lot of things and how they're projected. It's why, you know, guys like Juan Soto get signed when they're 16 out of the Dominican Republic and, you know, like things like that. Um, you know, because you can kind of see the progression um, and where it will end up being. Uh, and again, it, you know, I think I think a lot of people will agree with this. You know, you'd fill a major league team with with nine shortstops if you could. So a, a kid who's who's a legit shortstop and can actually play the position is is extremely important. And here's a stat for you, Wayne, too, about the uh, major league baseball draft because I never put too much stock in it. But there's only been one other time in major league baseball history where you've had two pitchers from the same college rotation go in the top ten. Do you know who those two pitchers are? Ooh, how long ago? Very recent. Very recent. Same college. Like, well, let me give you. Let me give you an idea. They're still. There's. They're both in the major leagues right now. Mm-hmm. Probably within the last five to seven years, they're both legitimate big leaguers. You'll know both names. Uh, I would have no idea. I don't know. Is it Casey Mize right. and Trevor Bauer and Garrett Cole went to UCLA together and Bauer was drafted third and Garrett Cole was drafted seventh. And you're going to have probably a situation where lighter goes two and rocker goes within the top five. So that should, that should be the second time I saw that stat today. I figured I'd bring it up. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. I did read uh, when I was reading about Lawler, they said that, um, if you, Lalo, yeah. He, you look at his game and they say pick out one part of his game, whatever it is, hitting, hitting for power, whatever it is. One part of his game, they said he does it exactly like a Hall of Fame shortstop. Like he does something like A-Rod. He does something like Jeter. He does something like Nomar, whatever. Like he does, he has a little I bit love of that you, I love that you said Hall of Fame shortstop and you threw Nomar. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> I love that. The show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love that. I'm a big Nomar guy. I always have been. So. Uh, yeah, well, Brandon had him, I think, as his, what, his best his ever best number, number five, five of all time over Mickey Mantle, uh, over Albert Pujols. I love that. Oh, Mantle yeah, DiMaggio. Mania, Mania, That's, the Ted Williams. That's the Ted Williams thing. Ted Williams said Nomar's the best hitter he's ever seen. Yes. He was, I mean, he was senile at that point. Yeah, he was, you know, full of dementia at that point. Yeah, exactly. Excellent segue into Ted Williams because yes. <laughs> he did a great job with the segues. But no, uh, so – with Ted Williams, um, I had always said that he was the most overrated baseball player of all time. And a lot of it has to do with the, or the overrated hitter even because I live in the Boston area and all you hear about is Ted Williams is the greatest hitter of all time. You can't go anywhere in New England without hearing Ted Williams is the greatest hitter of all time. And I've always said Babe Ruth is the greatest hitter of all time because he hit two one hundredths of a point behind Ted Williams. So he's right there. He has the best OB or the best OPS of all time. And he's got 700 home runs, he's got 200 more home runs than Williams. He's got everything's better. Right. But then I started doing some research. So this is where I'm going to just kind of walk it back a little bit, not all the way. But when I projected the five years that Ted Williams missed because of the two wars, and right. I just give him like you know 30 home runs and 130 30 RBIs, which is like his fifth or sixth best season, because it was in his prime when he missed those seasons, um, he would have the fifth most RBIs of all time. No, I'm sorry, the first most RBIs of all time, the fifth most hits, and the fifth most home runs, including steroid era guys. So I'm like, ah, maybe he was a pretty good hitter. <laughs> and he would still have the highest on base percentage of all time. Yeah, second highest uh, OPS. Yeah, so I, I mean. I've always been a big Ted Williams fan. You know, we've discussed like who we think, you know, the best hitters of all time are, you know, behind the scenes. 
Um, I think the top four are pretty kind of etched, in my opinion, um, with Bonds, Trout, uh, Ruth, and Williams. Um, beyond that, you can argue the order, I think. You can argue where you have them. And then I think five is where it gets kind of, you know, do you have, you know, a guy like Mantle? Do you have a guy like Musial? Do you have a guy like Albert Pujols? You know, do you have a guy like Griffey? I don't know, like, you know, where where you where you want to go at five. But I think anybody you have at five, I don't think has an argument to be in the top four. Um, so I, I think that's where I'd kind of like draw my line with the tiers there. But I mean, Teddy, Teddy ball game was, was a hell of a player. I, I, I think it'd be, you know, I never really understood your, your kind of hate on him. Um, but, uh, I don't think he's in the, the Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, Mike Trout tier because of those three years. But I mean, it sucks because he missed those three years, but I don't know. I think I, the thing with Ted Williams that was always impressive to me, and I know I, ju- I just joked about this uh, with his whole Nomar assessment, um, but he did have an eye for a hitter. I mean, he saw Mike Piazza playing a Little League game at like 14 years old and literally walked over to Mike Piazza's parents and said, your kid's going to be a Major League Baseball player. That's and I mean, like, that, you know, like it's like things like that. Like, I mean, he was a real student of hitting. Right. Like, I mean, he studied hitting, he studied different hitters and like you have guys that like rightfully so obsessed about different pitchers and the pitchers are going to throw things like that. Like, I mean, he sort of like, he, he came up with that whole concept about every, you get one pitch per bat to hit and you better hit it. Right. Like it's, it, it's just, I, I mean, he was, I mean, he dissected hitting and perfected it as much as humanly possible. I mean, they still implement practices as hitters today that were kind of sp- brought on by by Ted Williams I just I don't know I think his impact on on the on hitting is his legacy for hitting etches him into that top five for me you know I don't think he's the greatest ever right like I yeah, can see I've, con- I've conceded recently that I it's got to be Barry Bonds I hate that but I, I have conceded that I'd be tough to talk me off that argument I agree and then, what's crazy too, if you look at his baseball reference page, the amount of black, which means he was leading the league at, at the at the end of the season, he led the league that season, is absolutely insane for Ted Williams. The whole thing's black. It's wild. Yeah. One of the I like because Ted Williams was notoriously too kind of a, a dink. Um yeah. and he was not the most likable guy. And so that gives him some great quotes as well, which is why I like Zlatan, right? It's because of the great quotes. Um, and so with Ted Williams, I think one of the ones I read is way back in the day, the, when we talk about the shift today, they used to shift on Ted Williams um, to the you know the right side of the field. And I think somebody had asked him, they're like, why don't you just learn how to hit opposite field? He said, I can hit opposite field, but I don't because they can put nine guys over there and they still can't stop me from getting a hit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, Teddy T- Teddy Ball game had a bunch of good quotes. Not Yogi Berra esque. I was a big Yogi Berra quote guy. You know, hit him where they ain't. You know, yeah. <laughs> the Ring, Ringo Starr of baseball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a, that's a great analogy. I've actually never heard that before. That's pretty good though. Um. So that ends kind of the baseball segment. Getting into football, the story that piqued my interest today, only because somebody texted me during breakfast. Um, one of my friends, John Auberton, so shout out to him. He said, uh, hey, what do you think about this uh, Jordan Love to the Patriots rumor? And I was like, what are you talking about? I, don't, I haven't heard any rumor like that. And so I just go into Google and I type in Jordan Love. And like the first five stories are this guy taking a screenshot, supposedly, of a Green Bay executive's desk. And on it, they had a trade laid out where the Patriots would give up number 15 to Green Bay, who would send back Jordan Love and number 29. And I thought, well, as a Patriots fan, I'll take it because they're probably going to trade back anyway. So why not get a quarterback and a pick? I don't think they're trading back. I think they're trading up. But um, I mean, 
again, do, do, the only thing that I, I, I struggle to believe in this is that's usually like, okay, that could just be written from Green Bay's side of, hey, this is what we're thinking. You know, like New England has, may have nothing to do with this. You know what I mean? New England may have never gotten a phone call. They have no idea. Maybe it's probably Green Bay's may propose this once like a player's there at 15 or something like that. Um, you know, so it's tough to – to know if this holds any water. I've also haven't heard anything since then really from any of the, like the big draft Knicks that there, that there is any validity to this. Um, but I, I think it'd be interesting. I don't hate the idea. Um, I think that the Patriots are going to make a strong push for Justin Fields. If he gets past San Francisco at three, um, I think they're going to, to try to give up quite a bit um, to get there. Uh, they were heavy at his pro day. So uh, I'm assuming that's, that's kind of who they're keen on right now. Um, so we shall see. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I haven't seen Jordan love play football in a really long time. Doesn't it feel like it's been a really long time since I saw yeah, Jordan love. Um, he was in Nevada throwing a record interceptions for a quarterback. Yep. <laughs> you know, I just think it's, uh, yeah, I, I, it feels like forever. Um, it really wasn't that long ago, but I also think it goes away. It kind of deviates from like the whole green Bay model that they've really kind of, you know, built around Aaron Rodgers, really. But now it's the Green Bay model where it's like you have a guy sit under the tutelage of an all-pro quarterback, and then you slowly integrate them into the system, into the sort of idea. I know I didn't get to touch on the whole Patriots quarterback thing. You guys talked about Mac Jones last week, and I saw this crazy thing. I don't know if either one of you saw it, but I saw this theory that Belichick leveraged his relationship with Saban to have Mac Jones kind of underperform so that he would drop into the Patriots' lap. I mean, because there were some throws that Mac Jones. Well, they were bad. Yeah, I mean, his his, no, his he throw did day, not it seemed like his pro day. right, right, right. He didn't look great, but some some folks had speculated that that was planned. And would would we put it behind Bill Belichick to do something like that? Well, I would put it. Okay. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, how do you convince a kid? But the difference between getting paid because the rookie wage scale is paid is based on where you get picked. So, like, you got to now convince a kid to throw his thing and not get paid possibly how much a third overall pick gets paid to then 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, wherever he ends up going. That's well, millions is, yeah. of dollars. Yeah, yeah, millions yeah. I don't – listen, I don't, dis- I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that at all. I just thought that it was an interesting perspective. And it also, to your point, Sully, he's a kid. So what's to stop Bill Belichick from saying, hey, man, we'll make up all that revenue by putting you in a winning formula? right now and you'll make it up with marketing you'll be in a massive market with a dedicated loyal fan base all that sort of stuff i just thought that that was an interesting take and everybody on the planet knows nick saban and bill belichick are like close you know what i mean like they are tight so i i I wouldn't put it past them it'll be interesting it'll be interesting i don't think jordan loves going to new england wayne long story short um but the mac jones thing was interesting to me i don't think it's either i don't really love jordan love in New England's offense. Um, Sully Jordan hates it. Yeah. He doesn't Jordan love it. He Jordan hates it. I do. I Jordan hate it. Yeah. Um, but I also, <laughs> like, truthfully, I, I'm really kind of, like, uber convinced they trade up to, like, seven, I think. Um, I think then with Detroit uh, makes a little bit of sense. Uh, jump ahead of Carolina, who could possibly still be in the market. However, there's a lot of talk now that Carolina's trying to trade back as well. Um, you know, teams trying to jump ahead of Denver because Denver's most likely going to grab a quarterback. Um, but, you know, so it'll be interesting to see. Again, the, the whole draft, we're going to talk about it, I'm sure, at nauseum, is going to depend at number three. Um, you know, it, it's what does San Francisco actually do? Do they take Mac Jones? Do they take Justin Fields? They were heavy. You know, they had a lot of execs at Trey Lance's uh, pro day yesterday. 
Um, and apparently he did extremely well, which is no shock. You know, he's going to look great in shorts. So, um, you know, maybe Trey Lance goes there. I, I don't know. So it's going to be it's going to be a, a hell of a draft. Yeah, we've got a mock draft coming up uh, on Tuesday, and hopefully I can get that right up. Maybe we'll even do it live. We'll talk about that. Maybe we'll even do a live I'm show down to do it live. Don't tempt yeah. me with a good time. <laughs> um, but so Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay came out with their three-round mock draft where they take turns alternating who they pick, and they're saying this is who I would pick, not who I think they're going to pick. Not who they think stupid, they're going to pick. Which is yeah. stupid to me. Um, but I wrote down some of the notable names, and obviously the first two are pretty much locked in stone. Right. So really, really got interesting. Like you said, the first domino to fall is going to be San Francisco. Who do they go with? Now, all the rumors have been Mac Jones is the guy like San Francisco traded up specifically to get Mac Jones. It wasn't to get one of these quarterbacks. It was to get him in particular. Um, but Todd McShay has them taking uh, Justin Fields. That's where I think they're going to go. Um, I think it's all just kind of a ploy. Truthfully, um, I think they're holding it close to the chest. But at this point, I don't know why. But, you know, you never know. Um I would take Justin Fields. I would not take Mac Jones. There's nothing that Mac Jones does better, in my opinion. He Maybe he assesses a little better. I don't know how good he is on a whiteboard and in a meeting room. But, I mean, you know, just tools-wise and then actually, like, seeing it, like, I don't know. I think Justin Fields does it extremely well. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know who San Francisco is going to take, honestly. Because, I mean, Mac Jones fits Kyle, fits Kyle Shanahan. To but so does I mean, Fields. I mean, Fields, I just have such a hard time with Fields because, like, he was so average after he had that – after the fluff schedule wore, wore off on the big, in the Big Ten. Like, he was just so average. And you're talking about Mac Jones, a guy who completed 80% of his passes for the most part. It's like – I realize the talent around him, you know, like – uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The, 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 the talent around him. But it's not like Ohio actually. State's offense was no slouch. So, I mean, right. That's he's got and, two first-round receivers next year coming out and Chris Olave and uh, – I can't remember the other kid's name. So I mean, well, like it, you know, it's it's he had no he had weapons too. So I agree. And the I Big mean, Ten and the Big Ten was just garbage last year. I yeah. mean, Penn State was garbage. Michigan was, I mean, a laughingstock. Penn State for as bad as they were, Michigan was the joke of the conference. So it's like you talk about Indiana that. Indiana like, and Northwestern. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, like, yeah, yeah. Fields and those are his two against, worst games. Yeah, Fields struggled against those guys. It's just I don't I don't see it. He's a tough kid. I get it. Like you guys know how I feel about Ohio State quarterbacks. I think they're yeah. a gamble regardless. So it's like I mean, I, I don't know. If he, it just doesn't make sense at San Francisco. It makes sense because of his projections, like where he would go in most mock drafts, but I I don't know. I, I mean I, you're right. It'll be interesting to see who San Fran takes. Wayne, that's the, what's the giant question mark? Yeah, yeah. What's that? I was gonna say, Wayne, what do they have at number four? <laughs> well, so yeah, they have the Falcons taking Kyle Pitts, and then they have the one that surprised me is they have the Cincinnati Bengals taking Penny Sewell at number five. And I only say it surprised me because we've been saying Penny Sewell for half a year now going to Cincinnati. Yeah. It makes yeah. all the sense in the world. Joe Burrow was getting buried last year before he got hurt. But recently, again, reports, and I know there's a lot of smoke screens that come out this time, but it was like, oh, they're going to try to pair him with Jamar Chase. That's his buddy. You know, either going to bring him in there, he's a superstar receiver to give him somebody to throw to. But what I think it was McShay or Kuiper, I can't remember who picked Penn A. Sewell here for Cincinnati. They said, well, you can't throw to anybody from your back. Yeah. I mean, I guess, there, you know, there's two schools of thought is, you know, Jamar Chase is going to get open quicker, so you won't need as much time, and therefore you can complete a pass, or Penn A. Sewell allows more time for your receivers to get open. Um, 
I think it's going to be easier to find a second round receiver or third round receiver to match production, whereas it's going to be much more difficult to find another Penny Sewell. Um, I don't really care if I just spend a ton of money on Riley Reef. Um, I don't think that affects anything. You could slot Jonah into guard, uh, Jonah Williams into guard and put Penny Sewell at left tackle or leave Jonah Williams at guard and Penny Sewell can play tackle. Uh, I mean, or, or leave Jonah Williams at tackle and Penny Sewell can play guard. Um, it's really not going to matter. You know, more often, more good offensive linemen don't hurt. Uh, the only issue, though, is going to be like Joe Burrow's sway in this. Like, you know, he, there's reports that he has say in what this pick is going to be. And if he does, I would think he wants a weapon more than he wants protection. But I could be wrong. Um, I would want my guy that I broke records with at LSU personally, if he's on the board and he's available, um, that's where I would want to go. Um, also in this mock, is it, didn't Miami trade up to number four? Not in this one. Are you no, sure? This, yeah. In this one, they stay at six. And they take Jamar chase. Okay. I'll say it's Miami taking. Yeah. Jamar right. Miami taking Jamar yeah. Chase. I, I think they want pits, but I think if Atlanta takes pits, then they go with Jamar chase. <laughs> I think everybody. Um, I think everybody should want picks. Yeah, I think everybody. Miami. Miami's. I think in in the best situation in the draft. Truthfully, um, if they don't get Jamar Chase, they can take Devonte Smith or Penny Sewell, whichever one they want. And I mean, I don't think they miss out there. Um, I think they don't mind taking Devonte Smith, just because of kind of what else they have. I think Devonte Parker, and Will Fuller, you know, allow Devonte Smith to kind of be a of Justin Jefferson kind of like kind of fly under the radar, but then produce extremely well. Excuse me. What if you have a scenario? What if you have a scenario where you have San Francisco grab pits instead of a quarterback and then just roll? <laughs> Can you imagine with Kittle, Kittle and pits? Can you imagine? I mean, I, I, I was just throwing that out there. That's just, I mean, you got to think Jimmy G's like got a ton of, I mean, the only issue with that is, is the amount of capital they gave up. We lost. We lost you. They got you. Well, okay, we can hear you now. Yeah, we can hear you now. Yes, that's the crazy thing. Is not how he pairs with Kittle. The crazy thing is they gave up three first round picks to get Kyle. Right, Hicks. right, 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 right. Yeah, no, I get it. I was just throwing that out there. I mean, because all of a sudden now it's like that's a hell of an offense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's tough to stop, especially yeah. with Devo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk too. It's yeah. like holy shit. Yeah, that's a that's that's a scary offense. Anyway, I, I just muddying the waters here Wayne sorry <laughs> no that's right so the, this is in this mock draft they have the Patriots trading up to seven with Detroit uh to take Mac Jones after Fields goes um I mean I know Saul you said you think they will trade do you think they trade up as high as seven or do you I think, think they're gonna have to um if because all right so so here's the way I personally think execs think is okay I think they they have an idea who's going one and two and honestly I think most NFL execs have an idea of who's going three as well um they don't have to get to four because five and six aren't moving, in my opinion. Uh, I don't think the Bengals, I don't think, are moving down, and I don't think the Dolphins are moving down in, in any way, unless you offer them the absolute house. You know, I don't think they're moving down. Um, maybe Denver, if Denver has the ability to give up nine for next year's first, next year's first, things like that, maybe. Otherwise, they're not moving because they're going to get a blue chipper, and it's, that's what's going to help their ball club. So seven's really the, the first spot you move up to. Now, you have to worry about Denver at nine. Then you also got to worry about teams like Washington and Chicago in the 20s that could very well mortgage their future to come up and get one of these top five guys. So in my opinion, you're going to have to move up. If, if, you, if you identify 
one of the guys is your guy, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, whichever one it is that, that you think is going to be there. If you identify him as your guy, you got to move up to get him, in my opinion. And New England's in the perfect spot. They've got a, a roster loaded with talent and and still have some pretty decent cap space to, to make another move or two if they want to. Go get a rookie contract quarterback and and build this team how you're how you, like you're the kind of blueprint for how you're supposed to now. Yeah, I can see New England. I mean, I can see New England trading up to grab some, I don't know, stud defensive player, to be honest with you, like a like a corner or something like that, and then just grabbing Kellen Mond late. Like, I mean, I just – there's such that. a hard there's such a hard team to predict. I mean, New yeah, England's so impossible. difficult. I mean, half the time you get, like, Belichick's dog behind the uh, laptop. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, you never even know. It is very true. They're, they're very difficult to predict, and, and I mean – you know, a corner makes a ton of sense because honestly, like in in my mock, I've got them trying to move Stefan Gilmore and a pick, right, right, you know, to, to get to move up so they don't have to lose a ton of draft capital. Uh, instead of next year's first, I got them doing a second Stefan Gilmore and and their first and fifteen uh, to move up to seven. So, well, so I was looking at some of the other names. They do have Trey Lance going to Denver. Um, Jalen Waddle going to Philadelphia at 12, which I think would be a good get for them trading all the way back to 12 and still getting him because they need a wide receiver. I think they uh, knew that was going to happen. I think that was that was smart for them. They, they're going to get a receiver or a corner there, I think they like. And then at 15, uh, Mika Parsons finally going where the Patriots traded out of. Detroit takes Mika Parsons at 15. Um, what about the Cowboys? Who'd they, have the, who'd they have the Cowboys going in this one? Patrick Sertan. Uh, yeah, Patrick Sertan, I believe. Always. Um, that's that's mm-hmm. only that's the only pick for the Cowboys. It's Patrick Sertan or J.C. Horn. Usually, is I mean they need a corner so bad, and I just yeah. think it'd be cool to pa- pair up Patrick Sertan and then Trayvon Diggs. They were in the the same corner room last year, um, in at Alabama. So that'd be cool. The uh, interesting thing I saw here: so uh, they had Jacksonville at twenty five taking Kadarius Tony at wide receiver, so giving another weapon, and then with their first pick in the second round taking Travis Etienne. I'm like, oh, wouldn't that be good to get Trevor Lawrence, Tony, and Etienne in the first three picks? Can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine? They already had James Robinson. I mean, that's uh, that. Yeah, I mean, Jacksonville could be building something special. Their defense is not bad. Um, like they're not. They're, they're like a probably middle of the pack defense right now. But I mean, you add a couple pieces to it. I, Jacksonville could be good, man. Trevor Lawrence could come in and just be dynamite. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we had a discussion. Um, on over Facebook with, with Brandon Combs um, because, you know, he's, he's firm in the corner that Trevor Lawrence is going to be a bust. And, um, you know, I've always said it's, it's very easy to say that, but it's very difficult to give reasons why. Um, one of the big reasons why, you know, might just be situation. You know, it, yeah. I, it may just be very difficult for him to succeed. You know, Urban Meyer is an, an unproven college coach. Not, he's a very proven college coach, but he's an unproven NFL head coach who's, who's a college guy who, who doesn't have any, you know, uh, pedigree in the NFL and very well may not be able to run an offense in the NFL. We don't know. Um, so he's going to be very dependent on the success of Urban Meyer, obviously, and the schemes of Urban Meyer. But, I mean, his talent's going to be out of this world, obviously. We know he can throw the ball. I'd love to see him fill the fill the, the talent on offense like they have. I'm not a big Kadarius Tony fan right there. Personally, I'd rather have Rondell Moore. Um, mm. But uh, I, I like getting him a playmaker there. The big one, I think, is, is Pittsburgh taking a running back at 26. I hate that pick. Um, or 23, right? 24. 24. God, I hate that pick. Um, I mean, Who I do just, they take? Oh, Najee wow. Harris. Najee Harris, yeah, yeah. 
um, which I just can't stand. I, you know, for one, I'm in firm belief you shouldn't take a running back in the top 50. Um, beyond that, I don't think. Well, even if it's Saquon, even if it's Saquon or McCaffrey. Yeah, even if it's Saquon. I mean, look at the uh, hindsight, though. You can't think injury. I think hindsight. Well, it doesn't matter hindsight. They're not going to effectively give you what you want, and you're only going to have them for four years because then to sign them to a big contract. For to running back to make you know fifteen, sixteen, seventeen million dollars is a negative for your ball club, in my opinion. Um, but uh, they have huge issues along the offensive line and at cornerback and at pass rusher. And I mean, to waste a pick on a first round pick on a running back, I think would just be a travesty. And most of these mock drafts I've been looking at, and this one was no different, has Rondell Moore going like mid to late second round. Mm-hmm. And I know you were saying that this guy's a super talent. Uh, he didn't play a lot of games, right? But he's so I mean, small. Though. He's 5'8". He, so- I think he's 5'8", five, 5'7". Five, but you have 42 inch vertical, four yeah, three, four two forty. But he's built like a rock, dude. It's not the height. It's not the height, though. It's like the fact that he weighs like a he. I think he weighed like 175 pounds on his measurement. I mean, he is small, man. That's, that's how much Tyreek Hill weighed, you know. So I mean, that's yeah. how much Devontae Smith weighs, and he's four inches taller. Yeah, T Higgins. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. so, I mean, you don't look at Rondell Moore and think that's a small guy. Um, you know, you think he's short, but you're not like that's a small guy in stature wise. And I think that's what's going to make him succeed. Do I think he can ever succeed on the outside? I've, absolutely not. No. But I mean, as a slot guy, getting like like use him as maybe like a Darren Sproles out of the backfield a little, things like that. I mean, a guy that explosive and that dangerous with the ball in his hands, especially in this league where you can run the amount of jet sweeps that they're running now too. I mean, he's built for this for this kind of league and, and those jet sweeps. I'm a huge fan. It, again, it's you know he measured in three inches shorter than he was listed, so that's that's always and we already thought he was listed short. So when we talked about uh, Gregory Rousseau being kind of like a lottery pick of sorts, and this draft they have him going 56, I think it is to yeah. uh, Seattle. Um, but the one that I really liked was right after him at 57, they have Baltimore taking Carlos Basham. I thought, oh, Baltimore would be so perfect for him. He would. He's yeah. a great fit, especially in that like hybrid 3-4-4-3. Three, four, four, three. Um, Gregory Rousseau had probably the worst pro day you could have um, as, as an offensive line. Outside of his length and size, he – I mean – But that's going to bode well. That's going to bode well for some team because we know yeah, Rousseau sure. better than what his pro day is. So someone's going to luck out. Think, you hope. The, he had one season where he played extremely well his redshirt freshman season. Then he sat out his redshirt sophomore season, and we haven't seen anything since. Uh, I mean, he's extremely – but all these guys. I mean, so here's the, here's the take on pass rusher one through pass rusher seven. Extremely raw, athletic, toolsy guy. That literally describes every single one of them. And I don't think a lot separates them. And that's why you don't want to be the first guy to take an edge in this class. Because Quiddy Pay or Jason Owe at 23 or 24, I don't think offers you a ton more than Gregory Rousseau at 54. I don't think there's much of a difference in the guy you're getting there. So. I don't even know. Does Owe project to be a defensive, uh, like a like? I mean, I I just I he's listed as edge. He's listed yeah. as edge. I, that's all I just list yeah. guys as is edges. I don't care yeah. if you're a four yeah. three D end or a three four outside linebacker. If yeah. you're a pass rusher from the outside, I, I label you as the same thing. Um, so I mean, I think that's where they'll all end up. Um, so yeah. Uh, next guy, uh, Pat Freemuth, tight end, goes God, to uh, so late. Yeah, Tennessee at eighty five. There's I no way that's a scale. 
That, that's, that's a, a huge steal. There's no way Pat Fear would last that long. There's just no he way. was projected. He was like consensus best tight end in the nation then, going yeah. into it, and then and then Pitts came There's out of nowhere. It was no like way. not even a human being. And like I mean, Pitts came from like a different planet. And then, uh, but I can't. Someone's going to get a steal because he blocks, he catches. I mean, he he's good separation, Jason great Witt. separation. Yeah, he literally. He's so old he's school Witt. tight end, reliable as hell, reliable as hell. He's going to spend a he's going to have a long career in the NFL. That's the that's literally that's the comp I have for him. He's Jason. Witt. He's never going to uh, maybe a little less receiving. He, I don't think he's ever you know he's never going to be George Kittle and lead the league mm-hmm. in receiving or anything like that. But he can get you fifty five catches for eight hundred yards and then also be a force in the run game. So. Uh, my favorite player in the draft goes 86. Uh, Wyatt Davis. Davis goes to the Jets. Which is, I mean, for the for one, incredible pick for the Jets. I have him going much higher than that. Um, I have him going around where he has Quinn Morenz going, uh, which I think is the top of the third. Um, I could be wrong. Um, but, you know, I have Wyatt Davis as my number two guard. So uh, I, I have him going much higher. But, yeah, I mean, for the Jets pick in general, God. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. That's what they need, too. Boost that O-line, get Zach Wilson in there. Oh, boy. How about uh, Sean Wade goes 87 to Pittsburgh? Um, I mean, is he really excited? I thought this is cornerback university, Ohio State. I mean, he just can't play on the outside. He got exposed. He looked so bad this year. So he played inside corner his entire college career, mostly because, you know, he was stuck behind uh, Jeff Okuda and then Damon Arnett. You know what I mean? So you're not really playing at that point because you've got those two studs out there. So he was playing on the inside and looked like, you know, he's had the pedigree of, oh, man, this guy's just another one. He's going to be a stud. You put him outside and, God, he played bad. I mean, bad. Most teams, truthfully, I don't even have him on my corner board anymore. I haven't. I have him as a move to safety. Um, so, or like the, you know, like the down in the box kind of slot corner guy, something like that. If you, if you leave him outside, he's going to get in a lot of trouble, man. You're going to get burnt. He does not Wayne, do you have the full list in front of you for the for, for the uh, uh, first, second, and third round? No, not the full list. I, I went just the guys who I thought. Who were are you interesting. looking for? I want to. Who do they have Kansas City taking for the first? Uh, I want to know who, who are who are KC's picks. I'm just curious because I have no idea what that draft strategy looks like. Um, I, I can pull it up real quick. It, <laughs> yeah. it I looked at it earlier today and I just didn't think of it. And then I I listened to something later on this afternoon. It was like this evening actually, where they were talking about like most likely to repeat the Super Bowl and like what KC needed to do to, to, to get back to the Super Bowl. Um, and I was just curious what their draft strategy is. Cause it's like, do you, do you give more weapons to, to Mahomes? So they got you- Landon Dickerson in the first, who's, you know, outside of Rashawn Slater can play center, but right, 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 Landon right. Dickerson's the best center in the draft. Yeah. Um, and then in the second round, they've got uh, Malcolm Kuntz, uh, an outside linebacker kind of pass rusher yeah, um, yeah. who, you know, I, I don't hate. Um, if you're adding edge, I think you're always in the, in the, in the good. And then who else do they have here? Another tackle, Larry Borum, who I'm so not, they're, so, don't know. So they're focused on protecting Mahomes. Yeah. Prote- pr- protecting the franchise. That's what yeah, they're Which makes sense. Truthfully, I'd, I'd, I'd prefer they go tackle in, in, in the first round over, over, you know, Landon Dickerson or somebody like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, because I, I love the tackle class this year. So yeah. Now, the thing that did strike me is, and maybe I missed it, but in the three-round mock draft, I didn't see Kellen Mond, Jamie Newman, or Kyle Trask. Neither did I, which there's no way possible in the, in the world that that doesn't happen. Um, they all go very early, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I think, I think Kellen Mond... 
Second right. round, you'd think Trask yeah. would, go, would be a guy that goes like round two. I mean, Mond, you'd think round three. Mond and Davis Mills is the guy that I think is going to sneak back into the first or the, the ass end of the first, top of the second, um, the kid from Stanford. Um, he'll be the sixth quarterback taken, in my opinion. And then in, and then in, beyond that, it'll be Mond or Trask, whoever like you kind of love. I think Jamie Newman is going to fall to the fourth. But again, quarterbacks get pressed, so you never know. But after Mond, I think there is kind of a gap. Um, it depends how you feel about Trask. A lot of teams don't love him. So, um, you know, I don't think you want to be the guy that, like if you're Washington or or Chicago and you don't make the move up for, for one of the top five into the top ten, I don't think I'd take Trask in the second. I think I'd wait to the third, and if he falls, fine. Or I'd take Jamie Newman in the third, something like that, because I don't think he offers much more for the for the second-round value. Everything I've been reading and watching has been uh, Kellen Mond looks amazing. Like he, he looks does. like he should be a lot higher than the second round. They're uh, saying he's a like, lot of inconsistency. I mean, yeah. but but, but he's, he's, pro he's shooting towards. Yeah, he's shooting yeah. well. He's got a lot of tape, and he has he has what you like look for in in, in progression. So he's gotten better at, at things he wasn't good at every year, and and when a player does that, a coach looks like it looks at that and says. Okay, I can work with that. He also has raw talent and an exceptional arm. He's now as the I can see he has the ability to learn and progress. Let me invest in this kid and see what I can do. Um, the issue is, is you know, not like elite level of play. Now he still was the quarterback of a top five team in the best division of football this year. So I mean, that's hard to do, and and that's you know a great thing. So, but. We shall see. You know, I, I think he's going to go pretty high. I wouldn't expect him to get out of the top 50 picks, in my opinion. Well, so my question would be for you this, then, because I'm all about value, right? And if you're the Patriots, right? My whole they're thing better is this, to move up. Well, because as I was going to say, if, you, if whoever you draft is going to sit a year anyways, you know, then why not? Um, because, again, it's, it's at that point, it's ceiling. And, and you know, Justin Fields projects as a right, top five quarterback Jones. in the NFL. Matt Jones or Killamon. Well, I mean, at that point, you're not going to like Mac because I don't really love Mac Jones. Um, I have Mac Jones as like, you know, like the, probably the 25th or 30th best player in this draft. So, I mean, I don't really think he's that great. Um, so, which is probably saying, fair, it, but he's a Fields goes three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If Fields goes, that's what If Fields goes three, I don't know either because at this point, I'd, I'd jump all over Trey Lance too. Um, I think Trey Lance has. You know, I've I've got a ton of knocks on the kid. I've I've always said it. I said, you know, he doesn't he sh- hasn't shown me enough to 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 label him as one of the best quarterbacks in this draft. But at seven, eight, or nine, and I don't really got to give up that much. Give me Trey Lance a hundred times out of a hundred over Kellen Mond, um, because he has the same physical tools. Just projects to be, I mean, elite, elite, elite. Whereas Kellen Mond has a lot of these physical tools, but I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that you're like, okay, that's a that's a top five quarterback in the league. Now, again, if you can move back and get, you know, three first rounders, well, sure, that makes it worth it. You know what I mean? But if you're moving back from, you know, fifteen to twenty, or and because you didn't move up, I think that's your issue. If you sat there to wait and it didn't work out, then I think that's your problem. Move up and get your guy. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just thinking again. If if you sit at 15 and and Mika Parsons happens to fall, 
15, then I'd take that. I mean, that's not, that's not a loss. Yeah, it is. No. because, But it is, though, because what a quarterback brings to a franchise is infinitely more than what a linebacker does. So, so one Trey Lance is worth more, theoretically, than Mika Parsons and Kellen Mond. He just is. Um, now that Maybe, may not, it, it is, it's a, it's a giant projection, but in the projection right, right. world of it all, Trey Lance is worth more. Now it depends obviously on what you have to give up, but in the long run, if Trey, let's put it this way. If, if all players hit their absolute best, yeah, Trey Lance is better than getting Mika Parsons and Kellen Mond at their absolute best because Trey Lance wins you Super Bowls. And Mika Parsons and Kellen Mond maybe don't because even Kellen Mond at his absolute best is going to need a lot of help around it. All right. Well, those are our thoughts. We'll go more in depth, I guess, when we do our uh, mock draft. Oh, for sure. It's going to get naughty next week. We're going we're gonna to get deep, deep. Uh, hopefully, if you followed us to the end, I didn't do it at the beginning, even though I thought I was going to. Please <laughs> follow us on Facebook uh, at in, uh, Infinity Sports Podcast, on Instagram at Infinity Sports Podcast, and on Twitter at Sports Infinity 5. Check out YouTube. We break this into segments. Uh, whatever your favorite segment was, go on. You can just watch that if you want. I'll have some highlight videos uh, on there. It's a pretty cool looking uh, professional layout that I put out there. Um, but otherwise, uh, since it's Nick's uh, first show back, he wants to throw it to Kenny. Kenny. Take us, take us to the NBA playoffs with John Moran. Oh, please. God, I wish we could skip right to the playoffs. <laughs> I wish we had two weeks and then playoffs.